0: Come with us now, if you dare, down a rickety staircase into a dank, dark basement. What awaits? The Saturday Night Freak Show.
1: (laughs) Welcome back, ladies and germs, to the Saturday Night Freak Show podcast. Every Saturday, a new episode will magically appear on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Player FM, are they even still around? Castrol or wherever amazing and free podcasts are stored. I'm Colin, I'm surrounded by the internet radio superstars, including... Chris. Jenny. Brent. And every week we choose a movie, Round Robin. This week it was Brent's pick. Brent, what did we watch tonight?
2: Uh, Tonight we watched 12 Monkeys, Colin. Uh, What year was that made, Brent? I believe it was 95.
1: And who made it? Uh, Terry Gilliam. All right, what do we know about Terry Gilliam?
0: Terry Gilliam is, uh, from my understanding, the unofficial only American in the Monty Python troupe. Yes, I believe that. Y- yes. Yeah. So you never know what you're going to get with Terry Gilliam. You just know it's going to be weird.
1: I just remember his <laughs> animations for the Flying Circus were like the weirdest, you know, I mean, that's what he got known for, I would yeah, yeah. that visual style of.
0: Yeah, he directed uh, Monty Python on the whole, Search for the Holy Grail, and uh, yeah, he directed all the, 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 the Monty Python skits for television, and he's the one who kind of pieced it all together for now something completely different. Um, so obviously, he has a, a very interesting uh, approach to filmmaking, and just the ending of Holy Grail is odd enough, but yeah, he's just weird.
1: Well, he seems to be known for, like, two specific things, maybe maybe more than this, but I can think of two things that are, like, themes across, like, all of Terry Gilliam's stuff. Madness.
0: True. I'll give you that one. I'll give you
1: that one. Check. (laughs) He had a very distinct visual style, which usually employs lots of wide-angle shots, extreme close-ups, you know, cutting from wide-angle to extreme close-ups, and the use of the canted angle. Where everything's off kilter. Yeah. I would say that
0: that he he starts employing that in the 80s. I, I don't think he does that too much in Monty Python.
1: Right. Yeah. I think cool. it's like Fisher King. And oh, that's the other thing too. There's going to be in a Terry Gilliam movie some uh medieval imagery. Oh, absolutely. In this one, it's the whatever the plague caller. You know, the guy who's uh, standing out in the street and he's got the cru- crucifix, sure, chainmail on. Yeah. And,
0: yeah. And and just yeah, he's he shows up. Both 1400s and 700 years later. Yeah. We assume, I guess, it's the same guy doing the same kind of damning prophecy um, that yeah. calls out Bruce Willis in the middle of the street.
1: I remember seeing this movie under... I had a fever when I saw it at the theater. <laughs> That's right? a perfect way to see it. <laughs> yeah. And it really did, like, fuck with my mind. And it's one of those movies, like, you, you feel like you're going insane when you're watching it. And I'm like, what the... You know, I've watched it later, and now, you know... you seeing the man behind the curtain, it kind of makes more sense. But um, there was, like, the first season of American Horror Story also had this kind of effect on me. And it was, like, by looking at, like, the style, it's employing a lot of the same thing. Every, every shot is, like, tilted. The camera's always moving, like, in these very strange ways. Yeah. Like, you know, something else it would be, like, a lockdown shot of just a guy on a bed. And this one, like, careens kind of around him as if the camera operator's drunk.
0: <laughs> you know. <laughs> camera's always very
2: low, too. It's very low angles. Tilted. Yeah, looking up at yeah.
0: yeah. For those of you guys who haven't seen it, it's kind of a, a time travel sort of...
1: Not oh, wait. wait say, there's a reason uh, for that. What, Brent, what's going on with time travel? With I'm you? sorry. Oh, go ahead.
2: Well, uh, this is, as we all know, is 2015, and I am on my uh, journey through time travel films, the history of time travel through... The lens of Hollywood, right? Something like that. Um, I've got what eleven more picks, but <laughs> geez, all throughout, <laughs> all throughout the year of 2015, I've I've been showing time travel films and. Uh, it's going to end in a really big way, so
0: stay tuned.
2: With time <laughs> or has it already way.
0: ended? <laughs> Dun, <laughs> time traveler's uh, wife. There you, you ruined the surprise. Well
3: oh, sorry. Spoilers. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: the audience is out there going to hope they're joking. <laughs> I hope, I hope so. they're joking. Yeah. So this is actually then Terry Gilliam's second attempt at time travel, at least, right, that I can think of. This is the second.
0: Yeah, I don't think Brazil does any time travel. But it, it has has a, a time bandit like, visualist yeah oh yeah yeah definitely what well,
1: was the first yeah. the time bandits which we've oh. covered you can we, go back and listen to that show
0: this year this yep. very year yep um
2: but i do have a question since we're talking about time travel with this film <laughs> uh I, I guess i'll ask maybe jenny well maybe not i don't know I'll, okay well, we'll come back to jenny <laughs> but for you guys the first time you saw this uh did you, because like the the way that they set it up, it seems like perhaps he actually is crazy and he's not actually traveling through time at all. Like all the way up until, I mean, it's really towards the end when the, uh, the, the what's her name? Madeline, Madeline Stowe. I don't Stone. know what her name is in the movie.
0: <laughs> I hate to say Rayleigh. that.
1: The, <laughs> Dr. Catherine Rayleigh. Not Riley, Rayleigh. Catherine, C- Riley. Catherine like, what Rayleigh. What the are they saying? Rayleigh. Yeah, whatever.
0: Because she,
2: she becomes, I mean, if if you put yourself as the viewer in her shoes, as she realizes that, like, per, maybe this is real, um, it has to do with the kid in the barn and everything. And then when she sees the picture, that's pretty much definitive. The fact that she sees Bruce Willis in, like, this old World
0: War Two or World War One picture. Yeah, I think it's World War One From a book, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, The whole film, the premise is the the causality causality paradox, which is basically when you have some sort of prophecy that you're trying to prevent, you end up sort of causing it yourself by accident, which is kind of a typical time travel motif. And in this film, Bruce Willis travels back in time to sort of try to stop a a plague on Earth. And in his attempts, he ends up giving... Brad Pitt's character the idea to do it oddly enough um right. and and that's that's where the whole film kind of kicks off uh but in the process you almost think that Brad Pitt and well Brad Pitt's definitely crazy but you think that Bruce Willis might be insane yes but we as an audience member think that maybe we, I, I always thought that he, that we knew he was time traveling, but we can understand why, why his mind is deteriorating because he can't keep all those timelines straight okay. as he travels back in time. Yeah. And it, it didn't fool me, but I, I can see how he can get confused. Yeah.
1: Well, it was one of the, I remember my first experience again, feverish uh, with
3: time travel.
1: <laughs> dun, dun, dun. You'll I like never it. Never know until this time next year. <laughs> um, but uh, I remember, you know. As watching it, keeping the option open that you know, I mean, I was exce- you know, assuming that it was happening linearly from Bruce Willis's character's perspective, but it, it seemed like there were other movies at the time, maybe like Jacob's Ladder and stuff, which I think it was like early nineteen ninety. You know, I mean, like I was, I was ready for movies to like pull the rug out, out from under me. And yeah, this all could be like a, a symptom of a, a schizophrenic or you know some kind of mental illness. Sure, I think that's what makes this movie unique in all the time travel movies that we've watched so far is like this one time tries to deal with like the madness involved of you know uh a person trying to exist Oh, so they say it in the movie you know like the, the the effect of time travel on the human mind you never really see that or it's never really dealt with in any other time travel movie that i can think of right Right. It's like we're Bill and Ted and we're awesome, and we're jumping through time, and everything's <laughs> and it's cool, It's like the
3: repercussions <clears throat> of the surrealness like yeah you're trying to put together what's real and what's not what he could have hallucinated and what he what he actually experienced, yeah, right. and
1: I yeah. like the fact that his character at you know some point you know because he comes from a, this is Bruce Willis because he comes from a future where you know society has to live underground, they can't go topside because of the, the very virus. fallout theme, yeah, yeah, um that he. Likes living in in nineteen ninety six, you know, so much that he's convincing himself because you know the you know, I mean it's interesting you know that the movie takes place. The first part of it takes place in an insane asylum. I mean, it's always dealing with like you know, and you have like that carnival of madness that Mm -hmm. seems to be part and parcel with like Terry Gilliam movies and all the insane uh, people wandering around. But he's almost becoming like indoctrinated to the idea that like you're insane. You know, if you can just accept that this is the is the the present, you know, nineteen ninety
2: six. Yeah, he meets that the the black guy in the insane asylum. Real right off the bat. I mean, he meets Brad Pitt, and then he meets this other guy, who, and he's talking about uh, what is it? It's like displaced. It's like displaced something. Oh, he's got a divergent psyche. Divergent psyche, yeah, divergent, psyche, yes. yeah, yeah diver- divergent
0: reality, I think is what they call it. Right, something something yeah, along those lines, yeah. Yeah, the
1: guy lays out that basically, like, I'm actually from, like, another planet. But while I'm here, and once I, and I have a divergent psyche and once I a reality, and once I accept this reality, then I will be cured. And, I mean, that lays it up, like, right there. This is within the first 20 minutes, you know. They're setting yeah. up, you know, where this is going to go. But I like the fact that, you know, because he wants to be in 1996 so much that he, like, deludes himself, right? So, like, you're kind of getting, like, this really weird uh, mental thing going on where the guy who's sane convinces himself that he's suffering a delusion to make his reality current reality true yeah right? it's
2: it's
0: the flip it's side, very the yeah.
1: doctor at that point then starts reinforcing and like she's by that point she's you know seen the evidence and she can't believe her own reality so it's like you get them kind of like playing off of each other in like this uh upside down world i guess for yeah
0: moment. and then in the future he has to do the upside down thing again where he has to try to convince the future doctors that he's he's keeping his timeline straight once he starts buying into the past as a reality. Yeah. And he has to try to fool the future doctors. No, no, no. I don't think the past is, is, is my present timeline. So he almost has to reverse what he's learned in the psych ward in the future, which is incredibly ironic as yeah. well, which I thought I, I, I am giving, probably giving my hand. I think the film's pretty brilliant and, um, very entertaining. Uh, it is a little dated, but for my, for, for those people who maybe haven't it's, seen it before, but yeah. I mean
2: it's definitely I think it, it does suffer a little bit from the what Tom would call the nineties stink. I, I think sure. there's a there's a little bit there. Yeah. Um but I also think that that's partially from Bruce Willis. I, I do I do notice like in Bruce Willis's acting in this film, which at times is phenomenal. And other times
0: it's like, that's the Bruce Willis face. Yeah. And he's
2: like, (laughs) (laughs) the
4: the
0: first time I saw this, it, it was, you know, I'm coming off of Bruce Willis from Die Hard, Bruce Willis from Moonlighting. And he did this interview where he was talking about this film and they're giving him really good reviews for it. And he's like, I don't know why they're giving me. Good reviews. All I do is drool, you know. And I was like, okay, we'll see. You know, Brad Pitt was getting good reviews. We didn't really know who he was, except for some some pretty good magazine covers. Um, <laughs> and so I was like, well, my brother and I watched it, thinking it was going to be a real action movie that mm-hmm. just had this kind of weird time travel twist. Yeah, and we I watched it, and that, we're like,
1: that was the promise of having Bruce Willis in your movie.
0: Yeah, exactly, because he was an action, action star. And if I remember. I don't know if this was slightly before or slightly after Pulp Fiction. It
1: was after. That was ninety four. So this would have been the year. So
0: yeah, this would have been. Yeah, so this would have been sort of the time when Bruce Willis was starting to explore yeah. a lot of really kind of independent and alternative sort yeah. of cinema Billy pieces. Anyone? Yeah.
1: <laughs> <Okay. Billy> the <laughs> Dustin Hoffman and Nicole uh, Kidman. He was a gangster.
0: Okay. Yeah, no. and so I, I was I was thoroughly impressed with with the choices the choice that he made to do this, and I thought he pulled it off. You know, well, it's
1: an odd role. I mean, like in the the role is not something I guess that I associate with Bruce Willis. I mean, the guy, this James Cole character, is like he's a beast. He's a physical force of nature. He's like an imposing, you know, just like uh, not neck breaker, but you know, uh, he beats people to death. And then yeah. he, is, he is in
0: prison at the beginning of the film. Yeah, yeah, like, for so doing some like sort five of crime, guys yeah. or
1: whatever, all by himself, and he's just kind of you know. Not the smartest guy in the world, but, you know, even though he has, like, a certain level of wisdom, I think, sure, like, you know. He, yeah, yeah. You know, but he comes off as kind of like this, Again, I was about to say dim-witted. I don't think that's true, but you know what I'm saying. It's like, he's not this, the brightest bulb, but he's the bruiser. Yeah. And, like, you never really see Bruce Willis as that type of character. I want to say, like, I don't know if we've seen him, like, shaved head before this, but I like, Yeah, this Paul this Fiction, might have been,
0: bad you know. yeah, this is during Pulp Fiction, he had a shaved head, too. Yeah. Yep. And I, I think if you look at this in reference to what it could have been had someone like Terry Gilliam not directed it, had someone like Joel Schumacher in that era. Oh, wait, got you gotta get to
1: see this though. There's a sci-fi TV show.
0: Twilight oh, oh I, 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 I wasn't yeah. gonna go there because I did see an episode of that and I, I'm, I really. Was it out I'm, now? It is. Oh. Yes. It's actually one, one season has been completed and I've only seen one episode and, uh, wow. ah, yeah. Why I don't know, I'm not sure why they're well, not
1: what's the premise of the television? It's show. the same I mean, premise but it, stretch that but out it's just, for...
0: I guess he's still very confused and wanting to try to stop the inevitable. I don't is know that, well
2: yeah I mean um, it's like a quantum leap style where it's like each week he has to no no it's yeah.
0: it's him still trying That's to convince right. people he's not crazy uh in that. The end is going to come near, and he keeps getting pulled back and forth. I don't know. I, right. I didn't watch too much. of it. So this it.
2: is kind
1: of what you were saying. This is if you would have seen this directed yes. by somebody else. Yeah,
0: I mean, I mean you, 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 Bruce Willis, I think, does a fantastic job, especially when you compare him to some of the bigger actors that probably would have been eligible for that role in that time. Like, can you imagine Sylvester Stallone in that role? <laughs> yeah. hey, don't be me back in time anymore, guys. You know, I mean, it wouldn't have worked. You know, no, no. no it would have fallen, fallen apart because, I don't know, I think he does add a, a certain level of complexity. But in reference to some of those performances, um, I think Brad Pitt blows it out of the water.
1: Yeah, yeah. but everybody's like surprised I, by that now, that like Brad Pitt actually, I mean, this is, you know, he's a manic, uh, I mean, he's schizophrenic. He's a crazy person. Yeah, he's paranoid
0: right? schizophrenic, for sure. And
1: his mannerisms are, like, very animated. He's very, you know, full of juice. But I remember at the time, like, you know, the stuff that I'd seen Brad Pitt in, this wasn't a surprise. I mean, like, he was in a movie called California. Well, he was in... He was a little crazy in that.
0: Yeah. He was a little crazy in California. uh,
1: California. Yeah. But I mean, like, seeing, uh, I want to say, prior to this, right? I saw California. I saw Legends of the Fall. I want to say there was, like, a river runs through it. Mm -hmm. Interview
3: with the the vampire.
0: I think Legends of the Fall was right before this, I thought. Let me check.
1: And then 12 Monkeys, and it's like, I'm sitting there going like, this guy's like, uh," you know, I mean, he was young at the time, and this is like at the beginning of his career, and it's kind of like how we think of Daniel Day-Lewis now, you know, it's like, this is a guy who can just become, like, you know, this is one of the great actors, you know? And then he never really kind of delivered on that. I'm not knocking not Brad Pitt's, you know. Uh, well, but Brad he, Pitt he wasn't really in Brad anything from, before from
3: Thelma and Louise. Like, no, he that was, was his first one. But yeah. I'm saying
1: those, like, say, four movies. Well, True Romance. Right? Yeah, he, but, there was, yeah, another yeah. was another one.
3: That was another one. He was great
0: in True Romance. Ones, yeah. Oh, yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: I was researching this. But
1: movie. he's a guy who, like, you know, I mean, usually you get uh, an actor, say Channing Tatum, right? Channing Tatum has pretty much played Channing Tatum in every movie that he's been in.
2: Magic Mike, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> 21 Jump Street and <laughs> k uh-huh. Did
3: you know Brad Pitt was in 21 Jump Street? The show? The show, the original show.
1: Oh. Like as a guest on one episode? It must have been, yeah. Yeah. I did not know that. And
3: what? Growing Pains. Uh, yes, and
0: yes. He, pains. Played, he played the role yeah. of Peter in 1988. <laughs> apparently. <laughs> according <laughs> according, to, according to IMDb, yes. When, when did he do 7? 96. Oh, okay, oh, yeah. 7 remember. was right after this. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah.
1: But I mean, like the the character that you associate with Brad Pitt, at least I do, is the guy from Seven, is the guy from Oceans, you know, 11, 12, and thirteen. You know, what I mean,
2: I even think the character of that he plays in Seven is less Brad Pitty than he huh? is now.
1: No, I think I think you're right because I mean, yeah. I just uh, watched that the other night. I'm like, there's choices that he makes as an actor. I mean, like he's a serious actor, and he's good at yeah. his craft. And I think he was like, you know, the fact that he could play. He's, you know, say four different movie roles at the beginning of his career where it's like this guy in California is very different than the guy in Legends of the Fall, Mm -hmm. is very different than the guy from True Romance, is very different from the guy from Interview with the Vampire, is very different from the guy from Twelve Monkeys. Like That's the hallmarks of a great actor.
0: True. I think he almost uh, gets discredit because he's so handsome. I I I I look at uh, Legends yeah. of the Fall, and I think he's a, he gives a very worthy performance. And then I look at Fight Club, and I think he still has that kind of manic personality that's similar to this in a way, uh, mm-hmm. sort of an anarchist that wants to kind of upheave the world. Yeah. And then I look Who's at him in Snatch.
1: Z or yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. but, Snatch. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then you look at him in Snatch oh, as yeah. yeah. a fan. That's yeah. A big one. Just hilarious, hilarious, yeah, funny, great comic timing. But then he still does kind of the traditional action World War Z sort of stuff, too. But that's
1: the less challenging role, right? I mean, World War Z is closer to the Brad Pitt you expect to see when you pay your money to go see Brad Pitt. The Snatch character is, you know, something that, like, it seems like he just doesn't even have a chance to do or nobody offers it, you know.
2: But recently, I mean, Inglourious Bastards is as sure. close as he's gotten yeah, to, yeah. to, like, a character like that. I mean... I mean, I, I don't think Benjamin Buttons, he's more Brad Pitt being Benjamin Buttons. You know, yeah, maybe. Yeah. As opposed to Bench, like him becoming the, mm-hmm. the, the the character. Yes. I don't know. Yeah. I,
1: Joe Black is I mean, Brad
0: Pitt. Yeah, that is. Definitely. <laughs> <Yeah>. definitely. <laughs> it's just him being pretty. And, 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 so, and all the Ocean it's movies, he's, he's just kind of yeah. goofing around as yeah, himself. Just it seems like, anyway. A cool guy. Yeah. He, that eats a lot. Yeah, That's, <laughs> I, I know the three guys saw this movie beforehand, am I correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. But I, I'm really interested in seeing what a newcomer <laughs> thought. <laughs> <laughs>
4: have,
0: have you, you have fell you, down uh, on the floor? Okay, I, be, before I ask this question, I, I want to I I see, have you, have you seen Brazil? Have you seen like, City of Lost Children? Have you seen anything in this vein before? And and give us your thoughts.
3: No, sir. Can you be a little more specific, please, I, with your well, questions? Well,
0: a lot of people think he's he, Terry Gilliam can be a bit confusing um, sometimes.
3: Well, I told you that. I said I need to re-adventure this film again because um, there are some parts that are uh, up in the air for me. So, I want to re adventure that? I was going to say for my wrap <laughs> up. But... I'm bad.
0: I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm no, new at this.
1: Okay. <laughs> well, he has, like, a, I mean, like, I think a lot of that goes back to that style. I mean, like, his uh, future is populated. This is a, a future where, for no apparent reason, so there's, like, a scene where there's a bunch of scientists, right, sitting interviewing Bruce Willis, and they're all wearing plastic coats. For, you know, just this is. Just for a visual look. Like, we're there's, going to be weird. And yeah. then there's, like, this gigantic, uh like, magnifying glass in front of each one of their faces that kind of slides around. And there's, like, this giant ball with a bunch of television monitors in it that actually
2: Tube is. TVs. I always love the future of tube TVs. Yeah. Like <laughs> right. everybody so they they could find. screws that up. Well, so. they
1: wouldn't have had widescreen in 1996. That's yeah. when the world went to shit. And that's where they got all their technology. Oh, from. that's true. Good yeah. point.
0: So I mean, you, it's a you,
1: kind of like uh, Chris was saying. It's like a cyber, uh, like a sorry, you said like a steampunk kind of
0: yeah, uh, yeah,
1: a future. But it's like you know that cobbled together from all the crap that you had at the time of the fall of humanity in this post-apocalyptic thing. So he's got that. I mean, like he really developed that in Brazil.
2: Yeah, and I think like.
1: His visual style is like everything, everywhere you go, the paint's falling off the walls. Uh, yeah. It's very decrepit. Which is one, one flew over out. the cuckoo's
0: nest sort of uh, vibe when they're in that. Uh, the mental. The, yeah, I thought that, that whole first act is. The is, police is, station, too. Yeah. yeah there's there's that, I wonder if like they shot it in the same shit. place. Yeah, yeah. yeah, maybe. Yeah. They might have, yeah.
2: that's it's, The architecture is very similar. Mm-hmm. A lot of big arches. Everything's, I don't know. Vaulted ceilings. Yeah. And. I don't know what period that's from, but it's it's definitely like you can only find those places in big cities. Yeah, you know, like that doesn't exist. The the Midwest, yeah, yeah, it's not. Yeah, (laughs) you don't find it.
1: And this is supposed to take place in either Baltimore or Philadelphia. From what I understand, yeah, he uh, the the future civilization must live underneath Philadelphia because when the which is the premise of Fallout Four, right. Yeah, where's Fallout Three? I don't, 3? I don't yeah. remember was which Washington one. Washington D.C. Maybe D.C. Wisconsin. was yeah. Fallout Three, yes. So they live underground, and uh, you know Bruce Willis comes up to collect samples, and then later on in the movie, he has like you know he realizes that he's been here before, only seeing it you know in '96. It's you know um, the way it is you know to us right now. He's in a mall, but he saw this in the future when it was all bombed out by that so, so he lives in in Philadelphia. Somehow they send him back to Baltimore, right? His first time travel jump takes him back to Baltimore in 1990.
0: Right. Yeah, and they kind of excuse it by saying, "Yeah, sometimes they get it wrong." They sense, yeah. Like I had like ancient Egypt once, you know. Well, yeah, because so they
2: even make the joke. They're like, "This time you're definitely going to '96, and it's World War One."
0: Yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly. You yeah. made a very point. Yeah, the the, the third quarter of '96. Like how specific <laughs> they were. Yeah.
1: Oops, uh, we totally got this down. So, how does time travel work in this movie, Brent? Uh.
3: I was going to say, there's no flux capacitor.
2: <laughs> there, there's no flux capacitor. The first, yeah, actually, that's a good point because the first thing I noticed was <laughs> that there was no flux capacitor, and also that no the lightning. The first, no DeLorean. <laughs> the the no coolest
0: doc. way to time travel no is a DeLorean. Doc, <laughs> no
2: Marty. Usually, like somebody has to come back from the future and say there's a problem with your kids, and there was none of that. Um, no, I'm joking, of course. There's there <laughs> there's like the first time he time travels that you don't even get to see it. He's just, like, there. Yeah. Right? Yeah? They mm-hmm. just cut to I mean, it. it.
1: But what's yeah. cool about that is even, like, the filmmakers know what's coming because as he goes by an MRI machine, I think, in the hospital, he looks at it like, what the fuck, you know? Because his future, uh, you know, what he remembers is the time machine looks like an MRI machine. Right. So they kind of tip you off. Oh, you yeah. You get to see it.
2: Yeah. Because it's not until, like, halfway through the film we actually, go back to the second
0: or third time. Yeah. We actually get to see the process. Uh, yeah, I
2: think it's, it, it is. It's just it,
0: very akin to a,
2: a CT scan in a way. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And it's, it is, it's like a, it's like a light up, uh, like a, a, it's got like green and red glowing lights on it. And it's like an MRI machine that he kind of goes into, I, I believe he's in like some sort of. Plastic wrap. There's a great deal of clear plastic. Yeah, yeah. Like yes. the design, the the costumes in this film are all like there. There's layers. And at least one layer is always like this clear plastic. It seems yeah, like anyway.
1: It's an interesting visual look. It is, yeah. You keep coming back to it again. It's the visual
2: look is. Is it site. an award-winning look? I think it, it may have. I long. don't think
0: this. I, I don't think Gilliam's ever gotten an award for anything. At what least not costume Designer, I think uh, maybe no? maybe.
2: Or at least I, I think I
0: think Brad Pitt was nominated for like a People's Choice that year. If only
1: Captain Google might have this information.
0: Uh, I I I think I don't know. <laughs> From memory, that's all I remember.
1: All right, so the timeline in this movie, I kind of enjoyed this because it's one of these time travel movies where you can't actually change the future or the past. Everything is this is the straight line theory, which maybe we've talked about on this show before. Where all there's one timeline. Even though you're jumping around on that timeline, you've always been doing that activity. Though you know, so anything that you think that you're changing.
2: As It has but. always
1: happened that way. I mean, I like the fact that the guy, you know, in this movie, go, you know, he shows up in 1990, he's like, this is, 1990 is the past. And, like, where do you think you're from? You know, and he's like, I'm supposed to be in 1996. Is that the, you know, he's like, you know, she's like, that's the future. He's like, no, 96 is the past. So it is, like, the perspective of the time traveler, right? Wherever you yeah. are in the timeline. He, it's just funny that he's always referring to, like, this future period. That nobody can know about is like that's the future. Of these times that haven't even happened yet—that's still my future, or you know, my past. And
0: they—they and they play that trick a little later when when they say, "Well, you sent us a, a phone message from 1996." It's like, no, you sent me in 1990. Well, those and are, and you know, those little tricks, like, and then you realize later he does send them a phone message from 96, but it just hadn't happened for Bruce Willis's character right, yet. Yeah. I, I just I eat that sort of thing up well, that's, in a Time Machine cool movie. Because
1: you wonder, like, if they're sending him back, then they have to know the outcome, right? Because they're in the future, and yeah. this has all happened for them. But they introduce a story device, which is kind of cool, which is the idea that they're getting a lot of this information by reconstructing these audio recordings, voicemail messages that were Mm -hmm. recorded in 96, but they are only putting, so it's taking them a while to put these together. Mm -hmm. So as the plot's unfolding in the future, they're putting these tapes together and like, oh, we just assembled that now. We got your message, you know, kind of thing. So it's not like, well, you should have known this all all along. Right.
0: To dovetail on the awards, it did get nominated for Best Supporting Actor, uh, Brad Pitt, uh, and Best Costume Design academy awards okay uh, and it, it got nominated for best for picture <laughs> <laughs> in france for the hugo award um and uh yeah that's really the bigger ones i guess some so sci-fi awards the french that would
1: like it it's based on a short film by uh... Wait, oh, is it it a french short film
0: i think it uh... is it is very french i mean this thing screams jean-pierre genet if you've ever seen City of lost children or Amelie yeah,
1: watched it on this episode. You can go back and listen to that, or on this podcast, go back and listen yeah. to that
0: episode. Yeah, the, the scene where he's being interrogated by the future doctors is almost identical to when you have all those clones of Dominic Pinion uh, singing "Happy Birthday" to um, to Krunk. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's almost identical with the wide angle lens, and you have that that little Krunk camera machine robot thing talking to whatever sentient being is in that aquarium or whatever. Yeah, it, it's just it. it uh, i'm shocked they came out the same year i really am because they're they're, they're so visually similar and they're touching on so many similar themes right. just, it makes me wonder what was going on i'm trying to remember what was going on in 1995 <laughs> that might have made that a similar thing to be writing about and to be talking right. about yeah. because i i'm trying i don't know what that was <laughs> could it just be i mean like a lot of times and this
2: maybe isn't as similar but like Armageddon and Deep Impact, right? A, a script gets leaked or something happens and the, Maybe. you end up getting two films that are very similar. Well, but, I know but uh, this is
0: more visually and it like, really stylistically. Yeah. It, it has a Caligari feel. And, and Terry Gilliam does have a very European, almost, I guess, well, yeah, very, French okay, first, filmmaker that saying, you know, that, uh, style.
1: Jean- Jean-Pierre Jeunet, when he made Delicatessen, I want to say that they thought that that had a very Terry Gilliam-esque
0: yeah. You know, visual
1: yeah. sense. So I think Gilliam had, you know, I mean Brazil was like eighty-five. Yeah. Yeah. I want to yeah. say that's probably the first one that established that uh style of yeah. his, right? And I mean, aside from the animated stuff. Yeah, you know, yeah. well, and oddly enough,
0: stuff. they're both they both come from an animation background. Yeah, Which is wait, wait, which no. is strange. That maybe they're that maybe they're I don't know, maybe they're buddies. I, I I'd have to I'd have to find that out. I find that very interesting that yeah. they both have such strong visual styles and they both kind of feed off that animation background. Right. Uh it's fascinating.
1: In some ways, this is like one of the easier Terry Gilliam movies to like buy into. Of all the stuff in his filmography, aside from maybe uh, the Brothers Grimm, right? Which seems yeah, oh, like I forgot the, he the did most, that. Uh, you know, mainstream <laughs> uh, movie that he's ever done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they all have like there's something you know that it's like an acquired taste of buying into like the Terry Gilliam thing. But I think anybody can get into. Well, uh, maybe not anybody, but you know, I mean, like it's. It's easier to digest, I think, twelve monkeys. I think because it has you know you know, it's got a more uh strong through through line, like the story of the plot, you know, is stronger than some of his other movies. Yeah. And it, like,
0: and it is clearer than Brazil. Yeah. It, I mean well, it actually does kinda tell you fucking what
1: fucking puts me to sleep. I mean I like the way that looks, but it goes on for like two and a
0: half hours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you really don't know what way is up in that movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. I agree that the, you can understand it and it is more commercially viable than anything else he's done. Yeah. Up to date.
1: Um, aside from the brother's Grimm, I'm telling you.
2: Well, it's <laughs> fear and loathing. Was he that did a- the
3: brother's Grimm? Uh-huh. Really? Yeah.
2: yeah. And fear and loathing in Las Vegas. Uh, yeah. <laughs> was that a success or no? Uh, I would say
1: that it probably was, but like, I, that was one of those moments where like I saw the movie and did not like i read the book and thought that his take on the movie was like so far off like what the book was because the book read to me all the events are the same and like uh, the lines are the same but the book has like a humorous component like i was like cracking up reading the book if you're in one thing and saw the movie and it was just like this is fucking horrifying you know i mean like these people are like god ah, jesus christ i mean <laughs>
0: I, don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think part of that might be because of the the hitchcock influence <coughs> on that i agree metal and being a blonde at the end and it is i think one of the more sentimental like Fear loathing this... no no i'm talking about this oh. i'm talking about the 12 monkeys <laughs> he gets kind of sentimental at the end um yeah. you know and he leans literally on hitchcock with the illusions he does at the end but he also kind of does it himself with making Metal and a blonde at the end, and like Kim making that sort and of showing
1: yeah, Vertigo on the exactly, street. exactly. Yeah, no, that was great too because that's a movie about uh, you know this guy who's you know this woman is like. Well, should we ruin it for the people? That are, it's an old
2: movie. Right? You haven't seen Birds? <laughs> uh, pause this podcast. Fast
0: <laughs> forward five Vertigo. minutes. <laughs> oh, or yeah, Vertigo. The, sorry.
1: Yeah, the the idea of the the dual identity. I guess uh, you know it is what fuels vertigo, and then this movie kind of riffs on that by using it to, you know, underscore these end scenes where they're assuming different identities, you know, and there, there's the whole identity of, like, who you are in time,
2: too.
0: Yeah. Time. yeah and how that, how that changes, you know, what we have at the beginning is Brad Pitt and uh, Bruce Willis being these crazy kidnapped sort of trapped in this environment and yeah. then that totally flips when madeline Stowe becomes stockholm syndrome i think i'm falling for bruce willis which i'm, I'm really interested in he- hearing your take on that idea of, of a very competent very important psychologist or psychiatrist falling for their patients so easily isn't
3: that the nightingale
0: yeah, Florence Nightingale, yeah. Stockholm Syndrome. You know, he beats me, so I love him. Sort of thing. <laughs> you know, yeah, um, I'm, it's, yeah. I, I'm just curious about that's that's really the only big thing besides maybe some of Madeline Stowe's costumes that kind of get in my way on this whole thing.
2: It it seems to be a left turn, like a pretty almost a U turn in her in her character. I mean, I, I understand that uh, it is. I think it is a Stockholm syndrome, and I think it is a Florence Nightingale effect. But at the same time, it's like she gets on board with the whole time travel story pretty quick.
1: Well, you know? But at that point, she has like this evidence that you just can't.
0: Well, well she has six it's years actually, of evidence in the, theory. The World War One, we're seeing it in the book.
2: Yeah. That's, that's pretty. Yeah. you yeah. has got
1: the bullet, you know, that was taken out of his leg that's from World War One. You've got. So it's basically three things, right? The kid who was the in barn. the barn. Yeah, he predicts that. Yeah, he predicted the future there. He had a bullet from World War One in his leg. She's got a picture of him in World War One. I. I mean, that's one of the things. Yeah. Just like, and plus that he disappeared twice. Yeah, on like, her from a locked room, and like, well, she was right there. I mean, this guy's just weird. <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah right. that, that that isn't the part. I mean, I think she she understands that time travel might be possible, and she buys into that. But I'm talking about. The whole right, last reel up. where I'm going to fall in love with you now, it even though like, I've watched you like try to beat me and kill me and tie but, me up. And, you know, it just, it just seems like kind of a stretch she, to she throw line, that little subplot in at the end.
2: Doesn't she say that because like, he's always saying that it's always been you. It's always been you. But then doesn't in she? Dream? She says that, too, at the end, doesn't she? Yeah, she says,
3: doesn't say that until the
1: end, either. Yeah, the, he says it the whole way through. Oh, I think
2: when, like, he, when he, wakes he wakes up, she says well, that she
0: thinks she's seen him well, before. We see,
1: we see his dream, so we know that yeah. it's always been her, even before he vocalizes it. Yeah, but it could be, as she says, like it's only become me now that you've met me. You're projecting, you know, me onto the character in your dream, right? Which is this future event that he witnesses as a child, um, but. She says to him that like I feel like I've known you somewhere before. So then you've got the whole they're bringing in the idea of like two souls that have always been doing this forever. You know somehow sense each other through like through space and time. You know because this this event is like destined to repeat itself, and you know there's kind of like this little flat circle. Well, I think she was drawn
3: to him from the very beginning because you know she walks into that prison where he's locked up when she first meets him in the movie, and he's sitting there. Rocking back and forth like a fucking lunatic,
4: yeah. and <laughs> yeah. they
3: said that you know he put two cops in the hospital, and they ask if she wants a male escort, and she's like, "No, I'm fine. Yeah, I'm fine.
2: Yeah." And that's the first time when she does say and that she's calm. I thought like, yeah.
3: she's not afraid of him. I think she, she says, was instantly drawn she was, to him.
2: Yeah, yeah, she's she feels like she's known him. She knows him from somewhere before. Yeah. Which I thought maybe that was like a psychiatric technique, or yeah,
0: you know, I thought so too. I, I thought maybe that was just her showing that she's got chutzpah like, and she's she's a professional and she can and handle it, it just it, like a guy can.
2: It connects the two of them together, but yeah, yeah. but well, yeah, I, then at the end when she's talking about it again, like they've always, you know, like. It was always you. It was always you, it seems
1: like. And you've got a potential paradox, Brent, because I know you have oh, a I problem know. with this, that the uh, the guy occupies the same space, kind of, that his young self is at the airport and his old self is also at the airport.
2: It's the, the, the part that really gets me on that is the idea that he has the dream. So we're not saying that this actually happened. He didn't actually see this when he was young. Yeah, he did. We saw it happen. Uh,
0: yeah, he thinks it's a dream, but I think at the end it, they kind of tell you that it it actually happened. But is that
2: the first time it happens at the end of the film? Because uh, obviously I think it
0: always happened. It always but happens. Maybe he just didn't remember it because because him going, that going back, back in time apocalypse. I guess. I mean, if if we're subscribing to the idea that
2: uh, it, it is the timeline and it's a flat circle, everything has always happened, or whatever you know, whatever analogy you want to make, then. I guess we are saying that when he was a kid at the airport, he saw this guy get shot, which is actually him, which and, you know, watching it, they 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 present it as if he it's a dream. He keeps dreaming that he was a kid and he was at the airport and he saw this happen, almost like he's predicting what's going to happen in the future. Right. But it's not going to happen until he travels through time to make it happen. I don't know which well, is right. But
1: it's interesting that, like, I mean, he keeps on saying that it's a dream. But even when I first saw this, I always taught, I always took it that it was a memory that somehow he keeps having a dream about. Yeah. So it was a memory. He dreams about it. That's and the movie kind as. of keeps yeah. on, like, depending on what new information he receives, alters the memory, which is kind of the way that your actual memory seems to work. Yeah. You know, that it's it's... It's, uh, like, elusive like that. You, know? you don't
2: remember things the way they happen.
1: Right. Like, yeah. he meets Jeffrey Goines. so in the dream version of his memory, he sees his face on what later we find out was actually the David Morse character. Yeah. but he Who's awfully creepy,
0: by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Always.
1: Always. His perception is that that was Jeffrey Goins. So that also plays into, like, well, the blonde woman, you know, is now uh, uh, Madeline Stowe because he met her. We didn't see her face before, you know, kind of thing. But right. I think he was just kind of, you know, as time goes on, he's filling in more details about the memory until we finally actually see the real event happen. <clears throat> yeah. And he's there as a kid to witness it. Yeah. But he's young, so I mean, it's, it gets all fragmented as you get older.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I, and, and I get that, and I think that's what Terry Gilliam was going for. I would have bought it more if he was like 3, not like 10. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. when you're 10, you have pretty clear memories. And the kid looked like he was about 10, maybe 12 years old. Yeah,
3: but that's a pretty distraught thing that can get... Like, you can lock some of that stuff out and it can get fuzzy.
0: Yeah, maybe. i it's I, I, very I, distressing. You'd think... I, mean, I don't know the story of Rusoulis' character before we meet him, but you'd think if you're 10 or 12 and you see someone get shot in an airport... You'd be like, yeah, I remember that time I saw that guy get shot in the airport. Not like, yeah. did I dream that? You That's know, it's <laughs> you know? traumatic. I mean, yeah. I could see it at like three or four when you you know don't really have the the metacognitive skills to. Piece but together what you saw.
1: becomes aware yeah. that he was at the airport when he steps into the airport. Yeah,
0: like we. Was, oh yeah, we were going on vacation to to the ocean, which we were, yeah. I've never seen before. You know, it's like that only comes to his realization. And you think at ten or twelve, you would be like, "Oh yeah, I remember that trip." You know, yeah. hey, you yeah. know that, that wouldn't be a, such a surprise. But I, again, I think that's more of a convenience thing for the director. And Speaking I, I of kind of, of forgive him with that because I like everything else.
1: Speaking of convenience, I think as you were talking about earlier, the romance subplot between yeah. uh, <laughs> Madeline Stone and Bruce Willis is a plot convenience. I mean, I think it's just an accepted fact of how drama works. You know, at this point, it's like if you put the male and the female, you know, together, it's like they're the two who are going on this, you know, narrative adventure, and one fuels the information that the other one has. That eventually it's like, well, they must fall in love with each other. Even though it's like there's zero chemistry between these two. I... Well, and
3: it's that whole concept, I want to fix him. I want to fix him.
1: <laughs> well, maybe that's why they layer in that, like, I feel like I've always known him. Just so that would provide her some motivation beyond, like, there's this crazy man that I can fix. You know, there. it's like I feel like i know him, so I'm also drawn to him. Him I can kind of understand, you know? Kind of. It's like oh, because you're you know he's in, the future, he, 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 in prison he, he, and you're isolated. and, you and go back That's and the only
0: girl you've ever seen, yeah, and you know, right? yeah, <laughs> you've been in prison for like 15 years, yeah, and this look, is the
1: only woman who's ever been nice to you. So yeah. it's like okay,
0: she's the only one trying to help him.
1: Yeah, basically. but for her, it's like. What is the attraction there? When
2: he he got out of the car and he's like, oh, look, I can see the 12 monkey, you know, the the painting, uh, the spray painting on the wall. That's when she should have gotten the fuck out of there. Yeah, yeah. And she's like, okay, I'll get out with you. Uh, Yeah. yeah. Might as well. She thinks about it. She's like, well, I'll I'll check this out because this guy might not be crazy. Uh, But that that is a
0: stretch. uh, Yeah, there there are some conveniences like that, Like, like not constructing the tape message until... Like very right before they send back his partner's buddy or whatever, you know, there are certain so there are minor yeah. conveniences that I kinda of think every film kind of has.
1: But I mean, does that bother you? As far as like, I mean, is that a demerit on the hand of the the screenwriter and the filmmaker? or Is that like I, I you're think saying,
2: when I I think it's a
0: convention more than a demerit. I don't know. I, I I don't mind that.
2: I think when you're dealing with time travel, you have to do that because there, it, it's never actually going to work. I mean, like. The idea of time travel in itself is a paradox. So, in order to make it work for us, to, to for a story like this, which is, you know, I mean, the idea that you're going back in time to create the future that you're trying to fix or whatever, you know, I mean, like it's you have to. There's going to be some convolution that you can't get around. You, they're, they're like, and I think that, like, I mean, I think Back to the Future has it. I'll just say it, but I'll
4: just say it. <laughs> it's
2: not as bad as the Terminator Two Paradox, is this? but uh, I think that this this one falls in line with the Back to the Fe- or sorry with the Terminator Two Paradox, the idea that in order or not the Terminator One Paradox. I'm sorry, the idea that you have to go <laughs> <come> back <laughs> in time. You send you send your father back in time to impregnate your mother to create you. Like, that is some shit. Mm-hmm. Right?
1: <laughs> possible, with, with the appropriate amount
0: of time travel. With the appropriate amount. <laughs> well, uh, talking about that, I, I don't know for sure, but I think they use Madeline Stowe's voice as Bruce Willis' mom in this. I, I, I tried to find that today, and I couldn't. Oh, but yeah? I'm pretty sure they used Madeline Stowe's voice. Just for
1: another oh. psychological reason. Yeah, I was like,
0: wait know? a minute. When yeah. they're walking through the airport, and the mom says... Come on, James. I, I, I'm uh, pretty sure that's Madeline Stowe, which is, just puts another <laughs> little edible layer on there. And is it Madeline? It's Madeline Stowe every time in the flashback, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It is. It, it is. is. At one time, though, I think it's uh, Brad Pitt and yeah. not yeah. Bruce Willis. Well, see,
3: that's I who I David thought Morris. it was at, yeah. at first. Yeah, I thought it was Brad Pitt.
0: It's, and then, then one they, one try to, they try to they try to tell I you it's uh, David Morris because the, the they have similar yeah, hair. When they the
3: redhead guy from the back, I thought that could be Brad Pitt too. yeah. So yeah. they're trying to trip you up all over the place. They yeah,
0: there's, a, there's a persistence of memory thing going on but there, But they always definitely. made
3: it pretty obvious that it was Madeline Stowe.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: Even though she had blonde hair. Yeah, yeah It's yeah, not but like... You know, they I didn't thought,
2: try to, like, they're putting mis- the hand mm-hmm. in her facial. Yeah. Her hands yeah. in front of her it's face, right. between her and the camera. Yeah,
1: it's She's an artfully done uh, job of misdirection there, I think, with the But I feel they there. might have yeah. done that it's with true.
3: Brad Pitt to... Trip the audience up. I
1: yeah. Oh, I'm scared. sure they did. They, like we we're saying, I think they're trying to trip the audience up, but it's also trying to play to that idea of like the persistence of memory and like you know how something yeah. new can affect an old memory and alter your perception of it. All right, so here we go. Paradises, right? You pa- guys paradise. are saying that uh, Bruce Willis paradise. goes back and actually causes the uh, viral apocalypse to happen. Because he comes back with knowledge and gives that to. Uh, I, I,
0: I want to. Refi- I want to. I want to revise my statement. I, I want to revise my statement. That's what they lead you to believe until like the last 30 seconds.
4: Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And for those who haven't seen it, you realize, oh, Terry Gilliam has one more trick up his sleeve, and you realize that isn't quite what's going on. Right. Which I thought was pretty clever. And that's one of the reasons why I really like it.
1: But I mean, I like the fact that they layered that in earlier, too, with the fact that he was at. a book signing, yeah, and was kind of doing the you know the creepy you know apocalyptic,
0: yeah, and and the doctors say at the beginning of the film we want you to go back to find this more pure strain of this virus so that we can find an antigen. And that's their goal. Their goal isn't to change the future. Their goal is just to find a more pure strain so they can find an antidote in the future,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, and it, it makes that timeline consistent. If you think about it, because everything that Madeline Stowe finds in '96, all this evidence of World War One, and the guy that goes back, you know, in the Middle Ages talking about the apocalypse is going to happen in 600 years, all that's a very consistent timeline. Bruce Willis doesn't change anything; he doesn't really yeah. cause anything there's because there's only one timeline. He doesn't. Yeah, it's not like you know Marty McFly lets yeah. Doc yeah, Brown yeah, well, live. Is- yeah, yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's not like offshooting realities um it's just building a better future through more knowledge well, that's which the, is okay so interesting that's
1: the question then with that in mind then how do you take the final scene where uh you know david morris who's spreading the the plague sits down next to the woman who turns out to be the scientist for the future Exactly. She's like, i'm an in insurance so what what do you think is happening there
0: uh, she has the new strain she knows where to find it she has the pure strain well you don't
1: take it as she's going to Alter the
2: deaths of whatever. I think she's
0: going to let it happen. I think it's already happened because he's already opened the virus in the airport before that.
2: You took that. I mean, yeah. I would. I I would take it that more so than the alternate of that.
1: The alternate is the Terminator (laughs) too Yeah, (laughs) which is like the future is not written and blah blah blah. Yeah. Yeah. In which case, then you have a thing that came back from a future that doesn't exist you no. don't
3: think she's gonna try to prevent it
0: no i don't i don't, think so. I don't. that that wasn't their goal that wasn't their mission
1: but yeah anyway. but um, the fact that she was there i think like at the time i did read that as like at the time the movie was released the first time i saw it i read that as she's an in insurance quote unquote she's there to stop him from carrying out his agenda but watching it again you know it's like okay well he's already let the yeah he's Pittsburgh already let out, the plague, already yeah. out she is just there basically she's an insurance policy to bruce willis to get the sample yes that's it she's yeah. gonna get the sample that was all their goal. The their goal their goal is to yeah.
0: find the, the source sample or the, the the unmutated version of this virus so they could find the antigen yeah and that's why i like that's one of the things i like about this movie it's not trying to save the day the day is ruined in the the entire movie. You're like, they're going to save the day. They're going to save the day. No, No. (laughs) they're not.
1: This is another thing. that's always kind of fucked about time travel, right? It's like, we're traveling back in time from a fixed point in the future. We don't know what year. I don't think they ever actually say what it is. And they keep going back, you know, to here and there. It's like, we can't do anything about it because this has already happened. It's probably
2: what, like 30 years in the future. So I think
1: it's yeah, specific. Probably. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so why can't you, I mean, if you have the technology, why can't you travel back from even further in the future, you know, to like, you know, or something, once you have more facts at your disposal.
0: Well, I think it's because <laughs> the, maybe these particular scientists don't buy into string theory where you've got multiple dimensions,
2: is in that, multiple
0: ways, yeah. to, you know, if, if the past is already fixed, you can't change it. And that, I mean, that might be Tilly, Kerry Gilliam's philosophy is it is only one past. You can't change it, but we can change the point of the moment of the time that we are currently in, which is, what, 2030 or whatever it might be. So that's what they're trying to change. That's why they need the unfettered, unpolluted version of that virus. The but fact they can't that change anything in the past.
2: Maybe And and maybe yeah, that very well could be true because then you're only dealing with the one timeline. But at the same time, you still have two... Bruce Willis character, you have the 10 year old and you have the 30 something or the 40 year old. Right. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, the fact that there's two there, doesn't that mean that there has to be an alternate timeline? Not necessarily.
0: Not necessarily. It just means that you have two, you know, and, and I think because he sees that event and knows that it actually happened to him when he was younger proves that there's only one timeline. Because so the there, if there like were two primer, timelines
3: when they had the, the different versions of themselves.
0: Yeah, yeah like a great movie ones. by the way. Uh, and it, thank you,
2: thank you. But,
3: and yeah. Harry Potter.
2: And listen, <laughs>
0: and Harry Potter.
2: Listen to the podcast. But uh, aren't aren't those different timelines? Like in,
0: oh, no. I, I I would say there are are well, it depends on which in which primer, film there, you're watching.
1: but time in Primer there are different timelines because they show at least two versions of one event. Happens earlier, it happens later, and it's
0: changed. Yeah, I think anytime you can change it, it's going to be a different dimension, if you will, or a different timeline. Yeah, yeah. but I, I think mathematically speaking, that isn't a reality. String theory goes off on so many tangents that it, it's almost inconceivable at how many parallel dimensions we'd have to have in order to justify that theory.
2: Uh, but like by back to the future rules, I always going back yeah, <laughs> to the, the Holy Trilogy, well, the other Holy the Trilogy,
3: too, where Marty sees himself in er, 1950, but
2: he's able to like if say they, sorry. say they didn't get it right the first time. Like in part, let's yeah. let's say part two specifically. Like, yeah. Oh, part is a well, mess. Don't, car- even, you don't car- even include car- part two. Uh, we have we have to go. We, <laughs> we have to go back, and we have to get the almanac right. So if they screw that up, then they have to go back. They can't go back the same day because they're already trying to do that in that you know on on that timeline. So they have to go back earlier, but they can't because Biff gets it on that day. So they have to go back. I guess the next day. You know. I mean, it, it, it gets so convoluted. Like when you're traveling through time, I guess I'm maybe I'm trying to answer your question from earlier, Colin. I'm not
0: sure, but he's just the- so
3: focused on that timeline that Doc Brown. Draws, and then you
1: get yeah, that. The, yeah, it is. It's the, the chalkboard.
0: But, well, I don't <laughs> think Tilly, Terry Gilliam buys into Doc Brown's time yeah, theory yeah. at all. <laughs> and he, he might not,
2: but it's also... It's, I think that's on your whiteboard at work. It is.
1: Paradox.
3: I have paradox. Yeah. Paradox. So I've seen it. I
2: have paradox. It's spelled <laughs> wrong and then I spelled it right. There's uh, there's a whole goddamn sheet I've of seen it. paradoxes. Um, but okay, so... Then, as long as we're on the subject, uh, so the butterfly effect.
1: (laughs) Wait, we're the, the, the the phenomenon.
0: Yeah, oh, you're talking about the butterfly effect, like, like, because he went back, it's going to affect other things in this current timeline, but. You're forgetting that this has already happened, right? In its one timeline, that's so what, the things that it affected has already been affected, yeah. and that's proved proven the, by the, Madeline Stowe's research in her book before Bruce Willis realizes it. Yeah, that's, so that's why that's why it's a singular timeline, and I think that's why this movie is unique when it comes to time travel movies. Is right. it's not trying to do splintered timelines to justify man. its plot; it's trying to do one timeline, saying <laughs> we can't change that past. Well, and it's, Terminator One, I mean, Terminator One, Terminator not one. not three, where it's inevitable. No,
2: not <laughs> yeah. no, that's garbage. But don't you think that I mean? I think that this is more successful in closing that loop or keeping a closed loop than Terminator One, because ter- how how can you in Terminator One how can you ever like how do you get into that loop? Because you have to send
1: yeah, but that's your causality paradox, where because of the event of time travel, you have an event which has a cause that takes place after. Event takes
2: place. Yeah, but that's a paradox. So I mean, it, like that time means time it doesn't doesn't still on timeline,
0: time. right? it's still one on time on timeline.
1: It's still one timeline, though. It's just you're, does, you're shuffling you gotta, the cause and event. You know, because we yeah. we take cause then event. With the advent of time travel, you can have event and then cause on a linear timeline.
2: So is it? It can't be linear though. Like visually, it has to be a loop, right? It can't be a linear timeline. I see it as linear timeline.
1: You're dropping out, there's, a, like, points on the timeline, and at one point, you cease to, you know, it's like this, when you blink out, and you instantly appear here. So there's no, like... You For know, that particular person,
0: it would be one timeline.
1: Traveling this way, you've just blinked from here to there, instantaneously. So it's still one, and then, boom, over here.
2: I think we were trying to... Yeah, we were trying to figure this out at work, but... The, so the idea that... uh <laughs>
3: This is what they do. John he of-
1: probably <laughs> needed a visual representation, folks. I'm sorry.
0: Yeah, he but- needed he needed Doc Brown to draw it on a whiteboard. That's what he yeah. needed. <laughs> there, there will be documents on, the, we
2: on our that. We keep Facebook.
0: We'll
2: yeah, it. Uh, we, we maybe
3: might. at least we'll put put a picture of scanning. Brent's <laughs> <fucking> paradox <laughs> <laughs>
1: put it
3: on the freak show Facebook.
1: Page. By the end of this year, damn it, we're going to have a working theory of it. Well, no, Okay,
2: <laughs> just stay, stay with me though on this because this is important. So you have a linear <laughs> timeline. Uh so, John Connor is born. Okay, let's go back. Sarah Connor's born. <laughs> John Connor's born. Kyle Reese is born in the past, or like in the future, after John Connor. And then, John Connor sends Kyle Reese into the past to impregnate Sarah Connor and birth fucking John Connor. How is that possible? All right, here you go. Uh, please tell me that's time Connor,
1: irony. Sarah Connor <laughs> is born. <laughs> Sarah Connor meets Kyle Reese. Sarah Connor is impregnated by Kyle Reese. John Connor is born. John Connor sends Kyle Reese back to.
2: That's the part. That- there
1: you go. Boom, it just did. But that's that.
0: Not- <laughs> I think I think you're also thinking about time being a line rather than rather than something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if, if you draw it as a line. Colin guess, thinks it's yeah. a
3: line. Brent thinks it's a loop.
0: I, I'm, not, I'm not. I don't know if it's either, but I think yeah. for the sake of the story, it could be either. That's you true. Just, yeah. But if you, you figure out for the for the the characters' journeys, I think you're working off one timeline in the Terminator, and well, you're working off one timeline in the in Twelve Monkeys as well.
1: Figure, hey. well. It's also brilliant. In Twelve Monkeys actually. I'm, I'm respecting this movie more and more and more. I think about it because they actually comment on this phenomenon. Right. The movie. That they watch, he says something yep. like, "The movie is always the same. It's just exactly. different every time that you watch. it. Exactly, it, your perspective has changed, but the timeline. I was going to play bring it. it up. It's yep. like the time is always. It's the movie. You yep. play a movie. The movie never ends. Yeah." Differently.
0: Yeah, exactly. You know? And that's uh, that inevitability, which I hate going back to because I really hated Terminator 3. But uh, it's that you are not going to change this. Bruce Willis is not going to save the day. He is not going to be the hero, even when he gets the gun from his buddy at the end of the film. And he says, you have to kill the guy with the virus. You're like, which one is it? That guy over there. You know, because they've told you time and time again. This is going to end the same exact way. Yeah. We cannot change it, Bruce. So stop trying. We just need of, a sample. Why
1: did they give him a gun? Yeah, There had to have been some hope that he could have altered. The maybe. There. And then it turns out, well, that was how it
0: happened. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe there was. Or maybe there was just, you know, he's not going to give you the sample without you shooting him. I don't know. Actually, so
1: well, it's very, I mean, in its construction, it's like they don't know that Bruce Willis got killed at the at the airport because they're reconstructed it's that history is so vague before the apocalypse it gives you like the the person who knows the future is a child right bruce willis's character in the you know the timeline is a child when he sees this event so he's unreliable his memory you know this is 30 years later he doesn't remember it so you can't hold any of that that's what i'm saying Is a
3: traumatic experience i think he suppressed it yeah
1: so that's number um, one
2: right because he says he remembers stuff
1: yeah
3: That's how you suppress that.
1: And the second thing that does its genius is the guys in the future, who should know how all this fucking shit turned out. They're piecing together the past and haven't pieced it together yet. They're piecing it together as they as apparently they go, and then as they get new information, sending people back with that new information. So it's like it's got like this kind of like you don't see that in other time travel movies where you run into problems. This movie has solved those by putting these kind of like here's where your technology or your memory doesn't work. And so that allows us to do this stuff that like, otherwise you should be like, well, they should fucking have known that.
0: Well, I, <laughs> I know, think
1: from this guy, should have I, that's that another thing that you know,
0: I remember story. really liking about this movie is, that, you know, you, you've got these sort of very intellectual scientist people who are supposed to have all the answers, the doctors that are working in the future. Um, and they get it wrong. And I think the thing that I liked about this is, is the fact that our, our historical record is incredibly flawed. And I think that's one of the things Bruce Willis' Willis's character realizes and Madeline Stowe's character realizes. And I think that's another element that, that Terry Gilliam is focusing on is that our historical record is incredibly, horrifically wrong in some aspects. We know factually kind of what happened,
4: mm-hmm.
0: but if we were really to go back there and experience it, we would see a completely different yeah. cause. They kept thinking it's the 12 monkeys, it's the 12 monkeys, it's the 12 monkeys. And sorry, spoiler, if you haven't seen it, they really have nothing to do with it. Yeah. And it it really is just kind of a watershed moment in that, in that, that you're like, wow, they're just want to let out zoo animals, you know, and that's part of the fun, but it's also part of history in a way. When we look back at certain historical events, we think, wow, that was what caused it all. Like, no, not really. Right. Not really. You know? Um, and That's I how it's recorded, but you it's... know, and revision historians have kind of exposed that to us now. Yeah, but that wasn't the official record a hundred years ago, or even fifty years ago. You know,
2: right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I would definitely agree with that. But it's okay. So, and I do agree with that. You know, that like that comment on history. But the the very fact that time travel is possible in this movie, there's like. Going back to 96, there shouldn't be any, like, hey, we figured this out now. I'm going to go back and tell Bruce Willis, hey, we figured this out. As soon as time travel is possible, like, anything that you ever figure out should be able to come back to you at that very moment. Yeah, as soon and as I, time travel is possible, there's infinity
0: yeah, sure. I mean, you could theoretically say they had all the time in the world, literally, to try to yeah. figure out what was going on. So you just go back once. But, once you
2: know, everything. yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. yeah. But I also think it, uh, the incompetence of those scientists, like, we got it incredibly wrong. We keep sending people back to the wrong time because we don't really know how this time travel thing works. And because you're working on one timeline, it's not like you can go back and fix it. You know, you, you're kind of going back to the idea that they're, they have multiple chances at this. Yeah. And they sort of do, but you're still working off of one reality.
1: And time in the future. And, uh, you know, I mean, like, the time in the past in this movie is shown in a you know, kind of a segmented, you know, uh, narrative, right? Or it's not linear. It jumps back. But the time in the future is pretty much, that's where we start, I want to say. Mm-hmm. After the memory, you start in the future. That storyline is completely linear, I think, all the way mm-hmm. until the end. So it's like future time is still running, yeah. You know, somewhere on that big long timeline, the future part of it. You know, as they're as they're learning this stuff, they're like, "Well, fuck, we got to go fi- somebody somebody back to fix it." And that doesn't work, so we'll send somebody else back as the insurance, you know, or whatever. Yeah, yeah so I guess so and, I
0: mean, and if you think about it, if if time travel was invented today, they're not going to be able to say, "I can send someone back to 1955, November." For that fish under the sea dance. You know, I mean, they're, they're, they're not yes, going to be that precise at can. first. And <laughs> I, I think that's that the cool thing. Yeah, you know, and I, I think that's the kind of interesting thing about this. Like, they just figured out how to do this. but And they're trying, like, oh, we went to ancient Egypt. That was wrong. Okay, now we're going to try 1996. Oh, that was wrong. Oh, we got you in World War One. kind of closer, you know. And I think that's the, another element that I really kind of like about this. Is so, that yeah. They're trying to get it right. But since they're working off one timeline, you see their mistakes as well.
2: So, I guess, yeah, when you say one timeline, you're talking about the idea that you're in Bruce Willis's space-time continuum. You're like, so Bruce Willis is the present throughout yep. this film.
0: That's our, that's our point of view. Yeah. yeah. The because present the idea, is relative.
2: Like, I mean, if, if if time travel was invented today, then right now, somebody from a million years in the future, let's say the Earth still exists, should be able to come back as long as time travel is invented. If it exists, <laughs> they should be able to come back with all the answers. And without a doubt, not a shred of doubt. Aliens, of- Brent.
1: <laughs> <laughs> They've been coming back for years.
2: Well, okay, that's probably a different podcast. But yes, that could very well be that the aliens have mastered time travel, and they're, they're not aliens. They're, they're future here, but they're not. They're not. Well, they're not making content they're, they're not. They're, they're not probing not, anuses. They need to use their words because they're not <laughs> making it clear <laughs> to us. But you know, I mean, the idea that oh, well, we're gonna get it right. If you're going to get it right in the future and you have a time machine, then you've got it right. You know, I mean, the idea that like, if
0: you're working off of multiple,
2: long, yeah. re, multiple
0: well, splinters of reality. Yeah. But we that's another—that's the that, part that I have trouble. Yeah. Together, right? Yeah. It's yeah. one singular timeline, even though we experience it through one character. Yeah. who's going in and out of that timeline. So yeah. we get to see all those mistakes. Right. Which is yeah okay and, uh, that's uh, fair uh,
2: enough that because that's the part that I have the biggest problem with and I think that that's
0: that and that the is a different than Back to the Future very different it's, than Back yeah. to the Future yeah yeah <laughs> and very very different than than Terminator Three I'm not sure but I don't remember Terminator Two's timeline construct that well
2: Terminator Two I so we got, think leaves you a
1: big long thing about that one too. So. That, At some point, we're going to have to fucking do Terminator on this goddamn <laughs> <laughs> We just fight. We just fight. <laughs> I, I,
0: I thought Terminator 1 was inherently logical. I just thought it fell apart in 3. I, I bought 2, it but that might have just been because I was At a kid. At the end of
1: 2, there's a paradox there that cannot happen. Like, the thing fucking works up until the end, and then it's like, we opted for a happy ending, but Judgment Day doesn't happen. But it's like, you can't do that, because it's one fucking timeline as established by the first movie. It's so in the first. what so, else do we, yeah, the first one by itself is solid. It's uh, flawed.
2: Are, <laughs> I said flawed
0: folks. <laughs> flawed.
1: What else do we have uh, to say about uh, 12 monkeys prior to wrap ups? Anything?
0: Um, a lot of symbolism, you know, not only, you know, again, Terry Gilliam leaning on that, a lot of that medieval literature, James Cole, I, I, very common for science fiction films to, to to lean on that. Jesus Christ, JC, Thing going on. He even wore a Christ shirt. I think it says Chris, but you miss yeah. the T on that. Uh, all the time, he does that. Um, I thought I really liked how uh, they they actually have an above the line credit that mattered. I love love when movies do that.
2: What was it? The
0: above the, the above the line credit sequence that matters. Oh, you know, When when he's wandering around in in his present time, which is what like two thousand thirty, collecting all those bugs and putting them in jars. You have like no idea why he's doing it. He's getting scrubbed down, and you just see kind of names and credits. You know, you're as an audience member trying to figure out what's going on. But I, I like those things, and and people just kind of gloss through those things now, and they montage it so quickly. You're like, yeah. don't even know what's going on because they don't. They think it's boring. But I, I well, think it's the
1: way that the I think there's like a, just the way that filmmakers shoot now. It's it's like you read it as bo- you know, like information that you don't need to have. But but I you do something the other day that was like but you definitely do newspaper shit they're over the credits. So I'm like, what am I supposed to be looking at—the newspaper or the credits? It's telling me in the editing style that like this doesn't really matter, you know. And then you go into the movie, it, it and that like, uh, probably was covered somewhere back there, but like who the fuck knows? Yeah, and ironically, a Bruce Willis movie where like that guy—it was called the Prince. And uh, he has done working like for anything other than a paycheck, I'm convinced. I mean, I don't know, the last time, maybe Looper was the <laughs> last time I saw him actually give a shit about the project.
2: <laughs> Another
0: time travel with. movie.
2: Yeah. He's got at least three or four under his belt, I think.
0: And this is actually the second movie where Brad Pitt works with Bart the Bear.
2: Holy. Really? really? Hey, yeah. Pitt, maybe
0: maybe, maybe Brad Pitt is a time traveler. I mean, Working with Bart the Bear, with the, perhaps with the Bear, the Bear in the movie that yeah. scares Bruce Willis at the beginning, yeah, is Bart the Bear from Legends of the Fall, who Brad Pitt's uh, old man yeah. character so fights at the end. Like, I, I don't think to. Brad Pitt's ever shared a scene with Bart the Bear, but they've been in the same, movie. same movie. Wait, we got
1: another uh, Saturday Night Freak Show tie-in. I was thinking about this while we were watching the movie. We watched the movie called Lord of Illusions. Yeah, the uh, one of the guys who was like the. There were two guys hunting uh, Harry De Mo, that, was, remember, oh, right Sure and one of them like was running through doors and stuff. this big, strong guy. He was the pimp in this movie.:
2: Oh, really?
0: Yeah. Wow,
1: there you go. There you I go. totally go back talking to our Lord about to this <laughs> podcast, and maybe we'll mention <laughs> that guy. And he was in twelve <laughs> monkeys.
0: There's another guy, Jenny pointed him out to us.:
3: Elliot Stabler.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: Christopher, Christopher Maloney? Maloney, who was in Man of Steel, which we covered on this podcast. Boom. There you go. Now you got to go <laughs> back and check out the three and a half hour Man of Steel episode. <laughs> <coughs> <sighs> you have some time on your hands. So wrap ups. Unfortunately, that's me. I'm in the chair. Okay. Well, I mean, we'll talk <laughs> about this thing at, at length. So uh, this is going to be very short. Uh, I think this movie has improved in my estimation, you know, as uh, watching it tonight. I mean, it always has. I own I own it, so I've always liked it, but uh, it had an additional layer of thematic resonance that I think, you know, like great films do. Like the character says, Bruce Willis says, you know, movies change, don't change over time. You do. So uh, watching it now, it's like I like it even more. I think this is a legit, like, you know, sci-fi classic. You could put that... The the stamp, right? Classic of the sci-fi genre on twelve monkeys. Uh it's a must see, must own for your sci-fi section of your <laughs> your uh Blu-ray collection or cloud, whatever the hell you got. Uh yeah. <laughs> oh. highest recommendation, you gotta see this movie.
2: Oh. Four clouds.
4: <laughs> Four clouds. If that's a
2: thing. <laughs>
0: Uh, yeah, this is. Uh, I agree. I think uh, Twelve Monkeys is uh, one of the most intellectually kind of solid films that that makes sense internally uh, without sort of skipping a lot of logical pieces. Aside from the romance angle, that it sort of it sort of jumps a the shark there a little bit at the end. But I really like the internal logical structure of this and. I really get a kick out of Red Pitt. Mm-hmm. I think he's brilliant, brilliant in this. And even if you don't enjoy the film, he's awesome in this. He's hilarious. Oh,
3: man, you stole everything. I've- oh,
0: sorry. I retract <laughs> no, everything no, I just I'm said.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but no, it's well worth the watch. It is a little dated now that I've seen it. twenty. 20- Wow, I'm old. 20 years later. Uh, it is it is looking a little dated, especially um, on some of those shots with the young kid and the slow motion and whatnot. You can definitely tell uh, film has evolved, but uh, well worth the watch. To be
1: fair, we were watching it on a fucking old-ass DVD. So maybe, that, that, no, that's maybe it true. better if that's you true. it up on Blu-ray.
0: Well, that's I'm going to
3: recommend that you watch it on VHS. <laughs> 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 no, just kidding. Just kidding. No, um I unlike these gentlemen, I went in watching this movie blind. I had never seen it before and it's definitely a movie I need to re-adventure. And having this discussion did help clear up some questions that I had, but um I still want to watch it again, but I highly recommend it because it is very interesting and um it is it is very good. Uh and if nothing else, just watch it to see Brad Pitt. Play this off the wall character with this wonky eye that I've just been trying to master all night.
1: <laughs> I just can't. I don't know well, if you're how. You're turning your eyes inward. His go like one goes but up it's and one like, goes down. It's like <laughs>
3: I don't know how he can do that and and still see. Right. Because I can't see a lot shit. Of fingers,
1: yeah.
2: <laughs>
3: but yeah, I I would definitely give and this that. a high recommendation, and I plan to watch it again.
2: All right, yeah. Um So, Twelve Monkeys. Twelve Monkeys is a film that deals with uh, a, a, a type of time travel that I guess I'm still. I, I, I just I'm trying to grasp the idea
0: of. Of a man. (laughs) How many monkeys would you give it? That's all we want (laughs) to know. Well, I'll save
2: that. I just (laughs) gotta get, I just, yeah, okay. So I, I, I I am having, I'm still having trouble grasping it because I do like the idea. I, I remember seeing this movie the first time and it blowing my mind. The idea that in the beginning we see this young, uh, Bruce Willis character. James Cole, right? That's his name, James Mm -hmm. Cole. Yes, We see a young James Cole and we see him uh, witness at the time what you think to be a murder. And then at at, at the, or, you know, the police shooting somebody at the airport. And then by the end of the film, as it's revealed that it's actually him seeing his older self being shot and killed. And that idea is always like from the first time I saw this, I think I saw it when it came out on video. I didn't catch it at the theater, but... The, that 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 whole idea that you can go back in t- time and affect the past, which is ultimately you know your future, um, just it, it it blows my mind every time I see it. And it's I think the fact that it is you know it, it in, in this in the world that we live in, it's a paradox, and it's never it, you know it's not going to happen. It it cannot happen. As much as I would like it to. Time travel is not going to happen. What? I, 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 just, I just have to ask, What? I, I, I'm sorry. I, you
3: shattered my whole world.
2: I know.
1: There's some Chinese scientists working.
3: On I it never right thought now. I would hear those words come out of your mouth.
2: <laughs> he's giving up. <laughs> We're only
3: halfway right through the year, and he's giving up.
2: We have to be real realistic about this. Uh, it's not to say that. Okay, well, hold on. Chris, you had a question. Yeah, I, just I, want, I just want to know who broke your heart
0: that you got to try to fix the past. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're like, that, it has to be real. <laughs> Wait, no. We've been through that. we were going to Dr. Laura Maybe here. I don't hopeless. know. There's, <laughs> there's, <laughs> if I only had that day back. If I only had prom back. I, I'm just being
2: realistic about it now. You upset I mean, that I, you
3: didn't I, go to the enchantment <laughs> under the seat.
2: Is that? is that what it is? I, it's, it's not that. <laughs> it's the I, it, it, hey, like, you
0: get your darn hands off of her.
2: It is that. No, it's it's okay. It's it's like it's fantasy, and I get it. But, oh my god! But it's it's the same thing. Like okay, there's dragons. Dragons are never going to exist. But like okay, Tom loves dragons, right? Tom, I hope you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same thing with time travel. It's something that piques my fascination and my curiosity. Like and I can talk about it for hours to no to no end. But at the same time, and this, this this is going to sound horrible, but it kind of seems pointless because, <laughs> because it doesn't exist and it can't exist.
3: Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, no. He's so I cynical. What the fuck night. happened? You're <laughs> <laughs> like, supposed to save this for December. <laughs> Next
0: time he watch, back to the... He'll, he'll be back. He'll be back in December. By December, he'll be buying in again.
3: It's the wine. But it's the wine. It's sad clarity. <laughs> God damn it, Colin. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's not to say I don't love the topic any less. I'm just trying to be realistic about this. Folks, I'm here. I'm, I'm I'm ruining this this fantasy for all of you, but time travel doesn't exist. Okay, now let's just get past it. So, the, the idea of... Theorizing about time travel, I think, is...
4: I don't even know you. <laughs>
2: amazing. Um, it's amazing. It's and like, it's like the color theory. Uh, if you guys have ever heard the color theory, it's like the idea that... And I can't believe I'm going into this right now, but we got 13 minutes. Uh, the idea that like my blue, what I see as blue, might be Chris's red. <laughs> but Chris is always known as blue. So the physical color that he sees is my red. But you call it you totally blue that, because you're... What?
3: <laughs> you flipped
2: it. I flipped it? Yeah. I, I, so, I think I understand where you're going with it, though. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. The idea that... Yep. Yeah, and, and th- that we shape our reality. And and, like, like that can, could be
3: colorblindness.
0: Yeah, it could be, be colorblindness. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sure. it's... it's uh, or you could... Yeah. But I think that's what this film is talking about, is that we do shape our reality. It's, and when Bruce Willis decides... I don't want to live in the future. I want to be seen as a crazy man in 1996 so that I can breathe in the air. I can see the ocean. I can love this woman who's trying to help me. I think I think he is buying into something that isn't real. Even though he doesn't, he knows it's not real. He knows it's going to. He knows it's not the truth. He decides to buy into it for his own happiness. I think you're realizing that too. That's
3: kind of cool, though, that he gets to choose (laughs) his own reality, which (laughs) reality he wants. I I
2: I do buy into the whole time travel idea, but it's.
4: If you could do It, it like, is. It if is. It was just real.
2: It is just a. You know. I mean. It's. It's a movie. It's. It's losing your. It's. It's forgetting your real world, your reality for yeah. you know for a little bit of time for happiness and it, whether it be going to the movies, which is the tie-in, or you know watching <laughs> movies don't... about
0: time travel. It's. It's there. I didn't think that this is in, in, my, in my world. In my world, Indiana Jones four doesn't exist. It shouldn't. Okay. <laughs> If no. that's no, i,
1: right. I, I, I 100 percent <laughs> agree with no you. There's no Terminator movies beyond the first two in my world. Uh, hey,
0: hey, I'm right there with you. <laughs> I agree with that 100. Um,
2: but yeah, I, I love I love watching the, this type of film, and I obviously love talking about it. And um, I think this was this was uh, a positive experience, and I will definitely watch this movie again and again and again. And I think that you guys should too out there if you're listening um and i hope that i didn't i wasn't too cynical about time travel but come on let's can't believe it let's just be serious i blame it on the red wine (laughs) well let's let's grow up
4: (laughs) oh my god what
3: the fuck (laughs) (laughs) you have a fucking theme for
4: the year half the
1: audience just tuned up right it was like what there's no Santa Claus? Yeah, no, that's no. what
0: the, this is. This is a <laughs> <No>. mid-season twist. <laughs> He'll come back. He'll convince one of you. And then, you know... Yeah, by the end of the season, we won't know yep. who believes in it. Everyone we're, we're,
1: to one fuck,
0: man. <laughs> we're still going to watch time travel movies. Awesome. So fun.
1: that's... 12 Monkeys on the Saturday Night Freak Show podcast. And as always, please give us a rating, a star, or a thumbs up, or whatever you have on iTunes. Or give Brent
3: reassurance.
1: Preferably a
0: high rating. Preferably a high high rating. rating.
1: And uh, if you have anything you want to say to us, just uh, comment about one of our previous shows, or just want to tell us how we're doing, you can go to facebook.com slash Saturday Night Freak Show. Or you can get us on Twitter at Sat freak show, or you can email us. Anybody do that anymore? Saturday Night Freak Show at yahoo.com. And uh, we will probably read your comments on air. Next week, it's my pick. So I'm going to choose that. Well, this is probably a bad idea. No, it's going to be awesome. I'm picking a movie from 1956, a golden age sci fi movie called Forbidden Planet with Leslie Nielsen. Dun, dun, dun. A serious movie. With is it joke. before his be white sure hair. hair? Yes. What? Which introduced Robbie hair the hair robot. Color? It's going to be fantastic. Also it's inspired Star Trek, the television show.
4: Hmm.
1: That's next week on the Saturday Night Freak Show. And until then, the basement is going dark.